How many love the Lord this morning? Amen. How many thankful with a thankful heart? Amen. Come on. Give God praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Good to see everybody. Last week we shared about the church and uh, we handed out puzzle pieces. If there's a puzzle piece still under your seat, that's from last week. You can take it home if you want to. But we talked about the importance of church and being connected and the body of Christ. And I just wanted to kind of just add a little bit to that today. But um, wanted to just say, especially for those uh, that are here today and listening online um, today, we want to do something a little different at the end of service. Instead of just kind of, uh, you know, hey, give the benediction, we're gone. We want to take a few moments at the end of service, and we want to really lay hands on people that are sick. Um, if you're sick here today and you're not feeling well, or maybe there's someone in your family, someone at home, and uh, it could be everything from, you know, just the flu or, or whatever, COVID. Maybe um, there's a serious condition in your body here today. Maybe you have a, a, a disease or incurable disease. We want to pray for you today. And we want to give the Lord opportunity to heal and to move today. And Is that okay? Right? We're going to do that anyways. But So at the end of the service, I'm going to ask the prayer team not to wait, just to come right up. And uh, we want to just give that invitation for people. And one of the things about uh, the, the, the practices of, of Christianity and what we see in the Bible is, first of all, we uh, lay hands on one another. We pray for one another. It's a kind of a way that we love each other and the way that uh, God uses us to do that. We certainly don't need to do lay hands on people to, for people to get healed, but that's what we like to practice. And also we use oil, and it represents the healing power of Jesus. And so many uh, things in the Old Testament uh, refer to oil as healing. And so we kind of sometimes anoint people with oil, and you say, well, that's just, I don't know about that. How many know, it doesn't matter if we, if we would like sprinkle you or like wave something in your faith, it's about our faith. <laughs> and so by faith we do those things and, and we don't ask you to do anything weird or difficult. We just know that by these things God moves. And so we want to take a few moments at the end of service today and just really anoint you with oil and cover you with prayer and just believe God for a miracle. I believe that God is a miracle working God. We believe in the power of prayer in this church. We've seen it. How many can lift your hand and say, God's healed my body. Let me see your hand. Come on. I mean, how many can say that there's people in your family, uh, maybe that you know personally that God has healed? I've seen the Lord heal people from crutches and all kinds of incurable diseases, heard of awesome reports. And so we just want to take that moment and give God that opportunity to touch people in their body today. So is that all right? So the end of the service, we're going to do that and we'll take some time to do that. Amen. But I want to, uh, I read out of Ephesians last week and uh, did uh, read out of John. I'm going to do the same. I'm going to read out of John and then I'm going to read out of Ephesians again. So let's turn to John chapter 17 quickly. I just want to talk to you about um, really God's glory in the church. God's glory in the church. And that sounds very, uh, you know, when we hear that it may sound very, wow, this is going to be like super deep. Amen. Now, I want to be very practical today. Uh, you know, how many know some Christians are, think they're really deep, they're just really stuck? <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between deep, being deep and uh, being stuck. Amen. All right. And uh, in, that, in John chapter 17, this was part of a prayer that Jesus was praying, and a tremendous prayer, a powerful prayer, and gave us an example of how to talk to the Lord. But he talks and he gives prayer, and then all of a sudden there's des these desires of 
his heart is being revealed. And he starts praying for uh, the disciples. And we know that those disciples were key to starting the church. And they were really the apostles of the church uh, in the book of Acts. And so he's praying for them as believers. And he's praying for them as leaders of the church. And what would be the future of the church. And so in John chapter 17 verse 20 um, and 21 and 22. I'm just going to read. Um, really, I'm going to read um, 21 and 22, verse 21 and 22. And this prayer goes like this at the end. He says, that they may be one, or them, that they may be one, or unified, as you, Father, and me are one, and I'm in you, and you are in me, and that also they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me, that Jesus came to the earth, that's why. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Ephesians chapter 3. Last week we touched on Ephesians chapter 2 and 4. Now we're going to read the middle verse, or the middle chapter, chapter 3, in Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read out of verses 20, <clears throat> 21. And he, he goes into, um, he's talking about the church. And he, then he goes into, again, this discourse about the purposes of God and the love of Jesus. And he's talking about these things. And he says at the very end of chapter 3 and verses 20, he says, Now unto him, or God, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How many know that's a lot? According to the power that works in us or that we allow to work in us or that we put forth that effort and cooperate with God is what he's saying. And verse 21, unto him be glory in the church... By Christ Jesus throughout all ages, forever, that's us, world without end. Amen. That's the church is yet to be. And then he says in verse 21, he says this. He says, unto him, or God, be glory in the church. I believe that the church is to bring glory to God. Bringing glory to God is the why to our what. So we do a lot of things around here that, that kind of complement our what. What we do, what we believe, and, and our, our vision statement, and, and all those things. How many know all those things should be about the why? They should be why we are gathered together, why we have a children's ministry, why we do outreach, why we are here together. Why, why do we do those things? It's to bring glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what we always have to keep. That's the end game. That's the focus. That's our purpose. That's our mission, if you will, in the sense of why we do what we do or what we do on this earth. Is, and the why is, why is to bring glory to God. So last week we talked about building the church and how we can play our part and how we should be a part of the church. But how many know building the church and witnessing brings glory to God? All those things that we talk about bring glory to God. The fact that we're gathered here today is bringing glory and honor to the Lord. The fact that you are a Christian, then that you profess to be a Christian, that brings glory and honor to the Lord. How many have heard your favorite uh, you know, sports uh, celebrity or music or movie star, whatever, what they've said it when they got the award? I just want to give all the glory to Jesus Christ. And you're like, yeah, that's what I thought, right? Yeah, they're a Christian. Yeah, I'm really going to get their, their, you know, their, their album or their stickers now, right? And so we, we want to bring glory to the Lord. And that is our why is that we would bring glory to the Lord in our marriage, in our homes, in your job. It's not so, you know, I'm going to work hard and pay my taxes so I don't get in trouble or so I can just exist or we can have a nice house or we can have a nice living, I can have a nice retirement. It's that we bring glory. 
glory to Jesus Christ. That's really our end game. So when we're raising our kids, living our life, that's when we talk to our kids about why you do what you do is to bring glory to God. Now, that sounds very ambiguous, right? And then so a lot of you are like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good, but we really don't know what we mean when we say those things. I believe that we kind of do that a lot these days. We say these phrases and these words that we really don't think about. We just use them all the time and we feel good about them, but we really don't know what they mean and we don't live in that uh, meaning. But, you know, one of the things that the Bible makes clear that he told uh, Moses way back in the book of Numbers in the very beginning of the Bible, he said that I'm going to have a people, as we talked about last week, and as sure as I live, the, all the earth will be filled with my glory. Then in Habakkuk, through the one prophet, he spoke and he said, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the earth. So, so the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth. So that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of ground. That's a lot of people. In other words, does that mean everybody's going to know Jesus? Is everybody going to know about God? And, and then in Isaiah chapter 6, he said that the whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. David wrote in the Psalms, he said that all of creation is filled with your glory. Amen. How many know the Lord wants to fill this earth with his glory? How many know the Lord wants to fill this city with his glory, right? And so how are we going to do that? How is God going to fill the earth with his glory? Well, the answer to that really is very simple, through his people. Through the church. He's just going to do it through the church. Well, I thought it was going to be this mystical smoke that fills kind of the, you know, kind of goes through the streets and everybody just kind of comes out of their house and like filled with joy and already saved. That's not how it's going to happen, right? Although there's a lot of people that wish that could happen and you're praying that your neighbors would happen, something happened to them, but you know, that's just not going to happen. It's going to happen through the church. It's going to happen through God's people. How many know a harvest of crops of, of, of corn or whatever, that doesn't get harvested if the farmer doesn't go out. <laughs> if nobody sows the seed, there's not going to be any harvest. If, I mean, there's not going to be any crops. If there's no uh, harvest, then what's the point of it? And so the, really the point of our existence and the point of what we're doing here in church and as Christians is to glorify God. But if we don't know what that really means, if we don't understand how to move in that, I feel like then we're just going to be kind of like floating around, drifting around, just kind of trying to find our own way. How many know, as we talked about last week, the church is not about you. <laughs> the church is not about what you want to define it and how you feel comfortable and how I feel comfortable and what I want. It's about all of us. The church is about all of us. It's about everybody. It's about everybody coming into the one place that we know God and we worship God and we honor God. Amen. Let's go back to the subject of glorifying the Lord. If I was to ask you, what does it mean to glorify God in your life? As the Bible says, we're to glorify God in our bodies. What does that mean? If I was to ask you and, and maybe even say this to you, that maybe I'd say this phrase to you that um, God wants you to glorify him. Well, what would you picture? What would you imagine? How about this? What if I said that God's glory is going to fill this city? What do you think about? What do you, you uh, kind of think about? The moment I say that, God's glory is going to fill this city. We're like hooping and hollering. We're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> what does that mean, right? And, and we do that. We, we shout about that. We rejoice about that. But what is that? mean? What does that look like? What does that look like for God's glory to fill Williamsport? How many are praying that God's glory fills this nation? 
I mean, this, come on, I'm, I'm praying that God, this whole community is filled with God's glory. It touches everyone from kids to teenagers to college age to parents to marriages and that, that everybody is touched by God's glory. What, do we, what does that mean when I say that? What does it mean when and I would say to you, hey, you need to live to glorify God. Let your, how many do we, we tell our children that your music should glorify God? The things we watch, the things we talk about, we need to glorify God. How many have, have ever said that yourself? What does that really mean? I think if you look in the Old Testament, sometimes automatically we go back to this kind of idea and picture that we see in the Old Testament because all through the Bible we see God's glory moving and filling and, and existing and it was amazing. But let me just say this about just some basic things about um, the glory of God Then I really want to give kind of a definition that we really could live by as we leave here today. Um, really, as we think about glory and we think about God's glory, well, we think about a very great praise. We think about giving honor and, and dignity to God. This, we, we, and it also means, this word means to boast or to, to uh, uh, you know, kind of like brag is, you know, this glory. And uh, it means about victory and triumph. How many know if you, you, you win a game or you win a championship, there's that glory of that trophy and that recognition and that title. Is that right? How many know Jesus deserves all the recognition? He deserves all of the praise. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. As we see uh, that picture in the book of Revelation that the Bible says the angels are just worshiping God, giving him glory. Amen. How many know we want to give God glory, right? So that's what it means. It means kind of the recognition and and it means to show and to make a show. And it's just, it's just that ob object of worship, and that's what it really kind of means. And we know that and everything, but let me just go into the Old Testament because uh, just for a moment and in the Bible. Because one of the things we see about what the Bible paints the picture of the glory of the Lord, what we imagine the glory of the Lord to be, is something that you saw. It was something that people felt. It was something that people experienced or sensed and or was an action that was done. So how many know when we worship, we give glory to God? When we, when we talk about you know, God's goodness, we give glory to God. That's an action we do. And it, but how many know, and you ever read this through the Bible, right? And you kind of think of that. When I say God's glory is going to fill Williamsport or something like that, you're like, okay, the Old Testament picture and... You know, and, and sometimes when we think about the glory of God, we think of this, this mystical, we kind of put the Old Testament in this mythological type thing where it's like this weird, it's this thing, this cloud, or this, whatever it is, it's just going just gonna to happen, man. It's just going to, like the glory is just going to overtake you and you're going to fall down and, you're, and it's just like you're going to be a better person. I don't, I don't know what we think, but we look at the Old Testament and we think about the glory of God and how it moved and how it worked. The first definition, really, if you kind of look it up and, and saw some of the, the things that happened, was uh, what we would call the kabod or kabod of, that, uh, of the presence of God, the glory of God. That was the heavy weight. It w that's what it means. It's figuratively just kind of like in a good sense. It was like this splendor and wonder of God where, you know, Moses came down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments and everybody's like, ah. Like there was this glory. The Bible says that when Moses would go into the presence of God, he'd come out. His face was glowing. He had to put a, a veil over his face because it was like too bright, Moses. Like that's glory. Like wow. And it was amazing, right? And so there was this weight. But it also means the kabed of God or, or it, it means, and some would say the kabed, but it, it means to be heavy in a bad sense. It was this heavy burden of of terror. 
So when the Bible says that the Israelites had the presence of God and they were winning battles, they would just march into a battle with the Ark of the Covenant and then be like, you know, okay, just give it a couple minutes, boys. God's going to wipe everybody out. We're going to win. We're going to get the sandwiches and the gold, and we're going to go back home, right? And the Bible says that they were feared among all nations because of the glory of the Lord. How many know that's... That's, it also means that. It means this terror of God. It means this, this like you're scared, like what's going to happen next? And it's like don't mess with those people, that kind of terror. And that's what it meant, the glory of God to a lot of people. It meant, like, it meant this fearful, powerful, heavy weight of God's presence. And people were like, I can't take it, right? And, and then when you see these typologies of the glory of God, it was like this cloud that it was this visible presence of God, the Shekinah as it's defined in the Old Testament, the glory, this mist and this cloud that would, the supernatural light and, and would come and then this cloud would come and appear and it sat on the mercy seat and it would fill the temple and the Bible even says it was like a smoke, it was like this dark smoke and cloud and, uh, and I was just talking with somebody the other day about if you played, you know, went bowling and played pool back in the, in the, back in the day, it was like, it was a huge thick cloud of smoke, you remember that? Remember that trying to, you know, remember the buses and restaurants, you know, where, where smoking was allowed. You were like, went into this thick cloud, right? And you came out a worse person. It wasn't, you weren't good. It wasn't that great. It was like you, you felt, well, that's kind of what it was. It was like you walked in. It was like, ooh, I can smell it. I can sense it. And that was the presence of God. And a lot of times the Bible says it was a smoke and this darkness. In fact, the, the one time the Bible says that Moses went into the darkness in this cloud and God spoke to him. Out of the cloud, and right? Out of this mist, and you're like, whoa. Like, that's intense, right? That's intense. But that was the way we saw the glory of God. And the Bible says at one point that the glory filled the house, and then all of a sudden the priests were like, they couldn't even stand up to minister because the cloud, it was like, knocked them over. It was so heavy. The glory of God was so thick, and it filled the whole house of God. So we see that picture in the Old Testament. And the glory of God was defined as being something that was bright and beautiful and fearful and intense and holy. I mean, you just knew when God was around. You just knew when, when things were happening. It was like God. It was like so, so much God. It was his glory just like was so there that you couldn't almost explain it. Like, but everybody knew it. Like, God's here. Like, what do you mean? I because God's here. I mean, he just showed up, right? And every once in a while, God would appear and a couple people would like fall over and they weren't like slain in the spirit, laughing in joy. They were like actually like dead. So it was like, what's going to happen when God's here? I don't know. It's his glory. It's heavy. Make sure you're right. Let's get on our knees, right? And so it was that smoke that filled the whole atmosphere and, and filled that. And we see that as the glory of God. And we go into the New Testament, we see it as brightness and things you can see. It was things you can sense and feel as well. Um, and it was also an action. But, but the Bible says the angels, when they came and announced the birth of Jesus, the Bible says the glory of God was shining so bright. It was like, wow, lit up the whole sky. And then in, in Luke, um, when, when Peter went up to the mountain, with Peter, James, and John went up to the mountain, of what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was praying and his clothes turned brilliant white and his face was glowing with the glory of God. The Bible says Peter looked and he could see the glory of God. Like he could see it, right, you know? And so I thought, man, that's, 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 that's really a good thing. That's, a, that's amazing. 
Um, but we also know that as we saw the life of Jesus unfold, there was something else. As John said, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory of the only begotten of the Father. He was full of grace and truth. The Bible says that Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. And later on, people said, show us the Father. And Jesus said, what? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the glory of God. I reflect the glory of God. I'm the walking glory of God, right? And so taking all this into consideration, how in the world does God want his glory in the church? In this church, in River Valley Church, how is the glory of God supposed to operate and be here? How are we supposed to glorify God in this church? How is the glory of God supposed to be here? Well, I think we should, you know, maybe we should just sing a bunch of songs and have like praise and worship for like four hours and preaching for another three. And then we should do this and then we should do that. And, and then if we just get all the ducks in a row and then God will show up and the glory will be there. I mean, you know, that's our Old Testament idea of God's glory. We have this idea that it's just this, God's just going to like sovereignly, and he does, and he sovereignly shows up, but it's almost like then we're going to be changed, and our marriages are going to be better, and then we're going to be this and then that, and we're going to be wealthy, and, and all this stuff. And how many know there's a lot of people preaching that message, right? And it doesn't work. You ever gone to those churches that they preach about, you know, wealth and prosperity and everything? And I thought, you know, the only person that's really rich here is you preaching it. And they're only working for you. So um, I got to try something else. So, but it's God's glory. And so is that what we're trying to achieve? Are we trying to achieve something in us and through us like this, this amazing, if we could just have amazing meetings and exciting praise and worship. And if we could just get to that sense of God's glory again, that would be God's glory. If we could just feel it again, if we could just, if the earth could shake again, if, if we could just have that Old Testament stuff again, then we'd know God would be with us. Then we'd know that we would have God's glory. But how many know the Bible says that God's glory is in the face of Jesus Christ? If you want to see God's glory, if you've ever prayed that, show me your glory like Moses did, guess what? You look at Jesus because that's God's glory. If you ever want to feel the glory of God, begin to worship and honor and praise God, and you'll begin to sense his presence, his glory, right? But I think sometimes we get this, this mystical idea of how God wants to move and how God moves today, and we, we, we want to bring in the Old Testament elements, and then we want to kind of mix it in with our, you know, our, our contextualize it in the American way, in the Western way, and how many know God doesn't move like that all the time? And so what does it mean to have the glory of God in the church? What does it mean for God to be glorified in the church? What does that mean? And, and we say, well, that's, you know, someday he's just going to be gloried. No, if the church is you and I, if the church is meeting together, if this is the church, if we are part of the church of Jesus Christ, how is God's glory going to move and fill this place and, and begin to, and into the sense that the world is impacted and they see and recognize God, and amen, how is that going to happen? And I believe that as we just continue, amen, to do what God's called us to do, the simple things, I believe that God's glory can be seen. Let me give you kind of the basic definition if you're still wondering what the glory of God is. So I believe this, so, so plainly put, because I, I've thought about it and I've heard people say, God's glory, God's glory, and I said, what is that? Is it a feeling? Am I waiting for a feeling? Am I waiting for a sensation? What is the glory of God? And that is this, we can define it by what we see in the word, and that is this, God's glory is God's royal presence. It is the presence of our king. That's, I mean, if you want to put it that way. 
It is the king himself. It is the royalty of Jesus. And so many of us kind of, miss, kind of go over this. We skip over this. And maybe we've lost this in the church. Maybe we've lost this part about our worship to God. That he's not a candy machine. He's not a vending machine where he's going to give us what we want if we just put in enough. See, if we, just give, if we just do what we're supposed to do as Christians, we just show up to church and everything, then we're going to get benefits from God. Then we're going to get something back. How many know, I think it's, it's more than just getting something from God when you come. It's about the majesty and the royalty of Jesus Christ. When we began to see God as the king of glory, as the, the royalty, the majesty and, and that he is, is in, it changes the way you think. You just don't come in to God's presence. You don't just live any way you want to. You just don't treat everybody the way you want to treat them. Come on, somebody. There's something different. When you see people that are made in the image and likeness of your king, and he is a king, and he reigns, and he rules, I mean, you just don't talk to him any old way. you just you got to treat them a certain way. You've gotta, when God values people that don't know him like he values you, you see them differently. When you begin to see the Lord and worship God as this, his royal presence, I think we've lost this. And especially in America, we don't have like what they have in a lot of nations that is a king or a monarch. They, don't, we, they understand a little better than we do. But in, like in America, we, we have our president. And, and when the president of the United States comes in a room, whether you like him or not or her, you've got to stand on your feet. When, when the late Queen Elizabeth would come into a room or a hall, everybody would bow because she was the queen. When a general comes into a room or is announced, everyone in the military personnel needs to stand in attention and salute because there is an honor that he deserves. There is a recognition of his title and his position and, and there is a recognition that he's, a, he's above everybody else. Come on somebody, amen, right? This is glory that we give. This is the recognition that we give. This is the fame that this person has. This important person is in the room. We need to bow. We need to stand. We need to applaud. We need to stand at attention because of that person. And that's giving glory to somebody. That's giving recognition to God. And I believe God wants this in the church more than anything else. And so I think sometimes we get caught up in our programs and what we need to do to the what, to the mission and how we look and how we present ourselves to the world. And that needs to play secondary to our why. We're here to bring glory to God. Amen? We're here to bring glory to God. We're here to glorify Him. We're here to, to really honor His presence and, and that royal presence what do I mean by that again it's it's it sounds so up there it sounds so far above us but we can put this in practical application I mean think about it, it again it's that recognition and the reaction to someone of great importance who's in the room or who's around I mean that's what it means and I don't know about you but when I come to worship it's not about you know I like this song it makes me feel cool I'm going to get my praise on it's about God is worthy of every emotion that I have because of his royal presence because he is God all by himself there is nobody like him in all the earth all creation bows before 
him because he is the king, because he is God. When I open up the Bible, I don't pick and choose what I believe, what I don't want to live, what I don't care about, what I don't agree with. I just simply said, I honor the word of God because it's about, about his royal presence. And this word is about from a royal king. This is about from a king. This is not from a friend of mine writing me a cool letter to cheer me up. <laughs> this is the word of God. And when we celebrate the royal presence of God, in our midst, I believe God will be glorified. When we look at other people as in the image and likeness of God and we value them and we love them the way Jesus loved us, I believe God's going to be glorified in the church. When we don't have the attitude that we're the only church around that's preaching the gospel and we're the only one coming, that Jesus is coming back for, God can be glorified in the church. When we're reaching out to other believers and praying and ministering, when we come on Sunday and we come to encourage people and minister and pray for other people, I believe God's glorified. And so the glory of God needs to be in the church. This royal presence, a recognition of God. And so let me just... Put it plainly, how do we do that? How do we glorify God? Or how are we going to do that? And I felt it was just two simple things. It just is so simple. Is that we glorify God or recognize his royal presence. By this we honor God. And, and we're here to reveal God. That's what the glory of God did. Think about the Old Testament. What are the things they did? First of all, they honored God. Right? They honored God. And then what happened? They saw God. God revealed himself. And so this is what it means as the church, as River Valley Church, as Christians, that we uh, you know, glorify God or we see the glory of God in our midst. And that is this, is that we honor God. This is it. It just honor God and make him known. That's what the glory of God come for. It's not, the Bible says, that don't let anybody glory in God's presence. Don't let anybody take the credit for what God does. And remember, we ended by saying that it is about Jesus and that he is all in all and it's all about him. Well, that's all it is. God's doing this work in us. And we've got to allow the Lord to do this. And we've got to reach out beyond ourselves as a congregation and minister to one another and meet each other's needs. And, and, and get to the place where we can say, look, it's not about me getting my, my religion on and feeling good about myself. It's about me ministering to other people so Christ is glorified. That's how people are going to know that Jesus is real, that he exists. That's how he's going to be made known if we honor God by honoring one another. If we love God by loving other people better than ourselves, that's how he's going to be made known. That's how the, Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, he said, let, let uh, your light so shine, light your light so shine that people see your good works that they what? Glorify God, your Father. By what you do, by what you say. So we honor God to make him known. And it's revealing God. That's what it's about. So when I worship the Lord, when I praise and worship, that's honoring God. When I give, that's honoring God. When I, when I you know, my church attendance and all those things, that's honoring God. I'm just honoring the Lord, right? I'm just honoring God. But how many know that God wants us to, to obey his word so that other people can see that he's real? And that's really what it's about. So when I talk about glory in God. It's not this mist that's going to come into the church. It's not this smoke that's going to fill. Those are typology. That was just a picture of how God moves and what he does. Amen? Come on somebody. Amen? Amen. 
Amen, okay? And we get it. And do you know all the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts and speaking in tongues and prophecy and hospitality, all those, the gifts of the Spirit that we see in the Bible that God has put, put in us and made available to us, what is that for? It's for His glory. It's not for us. It's not so that you can be a celebrity, you can get on TV and then have your own ministry and drive a Rolls and do all this stuff and then you're the greatest preacher, fastest growing church in America. No, it's so that Christ is glorified. It's so that Jesus is glorified. God gives you the gift of prophecy, allows you to see visions and dreams so that he can be glorified. Not that you build your ministry, not that you start a dot-com, not that you start this amazing prophetic thing. No, that he is glorified. The gifts of the Spirit have been given to the church, not so the church can show off, but they can show and reveal Jesus Christ. Amen? I know this is very simple today, but I just had this on my heart that we want to we glorify God. I think that's what's so important. And I constantly, when we meet with our leaders and we meet with our teams and we're planning events and doing all this stuff and we're, we're organizing and all this stuff, I mean, we've, we keep in mind that this is about the Lord. That this, that the end game is about glorifying Jesus Christ. That the end game is about revealing him and making him known and honoring him. That, that's what it's about. Amen? And so I don't know about you, but in your life you can say, Lord, I want to glorify you. How do I do that? How do I glorify God in my body? How do I do that? Well, I believe that we follow the word of God because it's the royal teachings of Jesus and they work. And so one of the ways that we do that and we honor the Lord is we, we live by his word. And how do I see the glory of God. How do I do all those things? I believe you just walk with him. And, and really, I just kind of thought to myself, it's so easy. It's really just make sure it's about him. Make sure it's to him. And make sure it's with him. And when the Bible makes it clear in the Old Testament, every time the glory of God showed up, it was all about God dwelling with them. And this is the promise of the new covenant. This is the promise of the New Testament since Jesus died and rose again. This is what we have. He said this. He said, I will be in them. I will be with them and I will be in them. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you always. The Holy Spirit is with us until the end of the age. He's revealing truth. He's, we're following him until the end. Why? To glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in your life or it doesn't empower you and the gifts of the Spirit don't uh, happen in your life because it, it just makes you feel better and everybody needs to be happy. No, it's to glorify Jesus Christ. The gifts and talents that you have are not that people can look at you and say, wow, you're so amazing. It's so they can say, God is awesome. Amen. And so I don't know about you, my goal this year in 2023, and just saying, Lord, in everything we do, in everything we're doing, any, any mission statement we put out there, any kind of event we're doing, or any type of program or ministry we're flowing through, it's got to be to reveal you, to honor you, so to make you known, so other people can see Jesus Christ and know him. That's what it's about, amen? We want the glory of the Lord in the church. We want the glory of God to be here. We want to glorify God as a church. And we do that by ministering to one another. We do that by encouraging one another. It's not just coming to church and, and okay, I checked a box off or I, I fit it into my schedule this week. It's because I'm a part of something bigger than myself that's alive, that's growing, and, and it's the church. And the whole church is to give glory to God. So that's why it's so important that I have to do my part in the kingdom. I'm not just standing behind this pulpit because my dad was the pastor and and we just needed somebody to fill in for the next 25 years. It's be, I don't know how long it's going to be. But I, I'm just saying, it's just because God's glory. That's why we do what we do. That's, that's why we're here today at River Valley Church. 
is to glorify Jesus Christ. And so today, as you leave this place, I want you to encourage somebody. I want you to compliment somebody. I want you to just kind of like build somebody up and strengthen the church so that Jesus is glorified. Everything we're going to do this year is not because, okay, we want to be the fastest growing church in this area. I could care less about that. The last, I mean, that's not even close to what we're thinking about. All we're thinking about is we need to honor God and make him known. That's what we want to do in Williamsport. That's what we want to do in our state. Amen. How many agree with me today? Is that your heart today? Amen. Can we stand on our feet today?